1: This is a Bloomberg Savannah special. The Fed decides I think we all need to lie down after the last one hour or so. There is three steps to this. Step one, accept you're finished. Chairman Powell saying the policy rate is likely at its peak. Step two, acknowledge the next step. It's appropriate to dial back at some point this year. And step three, attempt to explain the threshold to do so. Take a listen. What do we want to see? We want to
2: see more good data. It's not that we're looking for better data. We're looking at continuation of the good data that we've been seeing. And a good example is inflation. So we have six months of good inflation data. The question really is, that six months of good inflation data, is it sending us a true signal that we are in fact on a path, a sustainable path, down to 2% inflation?
1: That's not good enough for this market. It wants to know about March, March rate cuts. This is what the chairman had to say.
2: Based on the meeting today, I would tell you that I don't think it's likely that the committee will reach a level of confidence by the time of the March meeting to identify March as the time to do that but that's that's to be seen.
1: And this is what you get in this market, off the back of it all, an equity market that sells off. On the S and P 500 session lows, down one point two percent. On the Nasdaq, down one point five. In the bond market, we had a big rally. Still got a decent rally, but yields are off the lows of the session. We're down seven or eight basis points on a two-year, four twenty-six on a ten-year, down five. Lisa, three ninety-seven eighty-five. We're talking about cuts. Kinder. we're just not talking about March.
0: We were supposed to hear him hug the statement, and he did. He gave this ambiguous answer that painful. didn't necessarily <laughs> say anything at all. We didn't learn anything, and that was exactly what he was hoping for. And then... He said the M word, March, and he actually answered the question and the market responded to that. You know, whether it sticks, we shall see. But that clearly was a signal that was not necessarily in the statement.
1: A TK, they just did not sound comfortable, or at least oh. Chairman Powell does not sound comfortable I, suggesting we're cutting any soon. Yeah,
3: but sorry, I mean, the clarity there was the March uh, idea. Claudia saw him out on Twitter saying that was the bombshell. is Clearly, they've uh, moved March out of the way. What an odd press conference. I got one word, John timid the timidity here the carefulness is extraordinary i felt like i was looking at a bank of japan meeting from 25 years ago the point there they had a data thing that sounded like one of our famous saw strings data 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 and it's just framing out the fear they have And the delay that they're going to cause.
1: There was something that didn't come up in this news conference. I was surprised there weren't more questions about what happened in a banking system today. What happened with one particular bank, New York Community Bank. Because, Lisa, that's what we were talking about in anticipation of the decision for much of today.
0: It was such an easy question, but I guess it didn't sound very sophisticated. How much do you count that? Is that worried? Does that factor in? When does that become an issue that actually uh, ends up uh, causing you to cut yeah, rates and more and quickly?
3: The thing to me here, John, is the behavioral aspect of this meeting. These are smart people. They put on their pants one leg at a time, et cetera. And the answer is the timidity I heard today was just I've never heard that timidity.
1: Question. Ever. QT. Let's get the folder out. Get to the right page. <laughs> so far, it's gone very well. We had some discussion of the balance sheet. We're planning to have an in-depth discussion in March. We're at the beginning of that process. We see rates and a balance sheet as independent tools. They're not there yet. And I think that's the frustration with Marcus today. Chairman Powell is deeply pragmatic. He's trying to do- go through this step by step, have a clear sequence of things. The market wants it right now. <clears throat> Wants to talk about March rate cuts, wants to move, Bramo, And that's not what you heard in today's news conference. Wants
0: to know even what the criteria are. The criteria is when we decide what the criteria will be and depending on which member. I mean, the idea of the data just needs to continue to be good. And then how long does it need to be good? Six, seven, eight months? I don't know. We well, yeah. she'll see. And that seemed to be sort of this feeling, maybe because each member has a slightly different view as they try to uh, gauge a really uncertain economy.
3: Well, thank you for joining us on Television Radio. And what we're going to do is talk to people with historical perspective about this moment as we all stagger into 2024. William Dudley. Out of Berkeley, I'm tenured at Goldman Sachs for years, and of course a former New York Federal Reserve president, Bloomberg Economics senior advisor. You know, Bill, I feel like I want to go and talk to Eichen Green or Brad DeLong right now, out in the hallways at Berkeley. The timidity I see here, the carefulness. Let's start with the why of the moment. Why are they so darn data dependent and careful here? to begin a measured trend of lower rates?
4: I think they're so careful because things are actually going very well. Uh, If the economy wasn't as strong as it was, the Fed would be much more uh, inclined to cut rates. But since we've seen very strong growth in the fourth quarter, the Fed's aware of the fact that if they start a little bit later, it's probably not gonna have much consequence for the economic outlook. The fact that financial conditions have eased over the last few months also allows the Fed to be a little bit more cautious. So I think it's really the strength of the economy, the easing of financial conditions, Means the Federal Reserve is of the view that they can be a little bit more patient. Um, I thought that was a very interesting press conference because up until the point that uh, Chair Powell talked about the March meeting specifically, the market was actually taking it as March was in play, <laughs> and then he explicitly take, took it off the table, and the federal fund futures contracts went from pricing in you know more than fifty percent probability of a. of a a rate cut Mm -hmm. in March to uh, significantly less. So I think that was the big surprise at the meeting for me. I thought the other interesting aspect of the meeting was the discussion about the quantitative tightening. So that's clearly being put on the table. We talked about it today. We're going to have an in-depth staff presentation in March. So I think we can expect quantitative tightening and tapering to happen sometime, you know, probably around the first half of this year.
1: Bill, let's unpack some of that. I'll get to QT in a moment. I just want to talk about the strategic ambiguity. So in the statement, this is what they said. The committee does not expect it will be appropriate to reduce the target range until it has gained greater confidence that inflation is moving sustainably towards 2%. So, Obviously, our former colleague, good friend Judith Smalik of The New York Times, first question out the gate, wants to know what greater confidence actually means. We want to see more data. We're not looking for better data, just more good data. So Bill, dare I ask, what does it mean?
4: I think what he wants to see is more of the same. I think that's basically what he said. Uh, I think they're, you know a little bit of concern that maybe the really good inflation news that we're seeing is a little bit about goods price a weakness and that that may ultimately uh, fade away uh, so that there might be a little bit more work to do on the services side. So I think that that's that's their concern. I mean, if the inflation is continues along the same course for you know a few more months, then the Federal Reserve is certainly going to start to cut rates. They're just not absolutely confident that that's where, where we're going to be three or four months from now.
0: Bill, do you think that it was a mistake for Fed Chair Powell to say that March was not on the table? I don't
4: think it's off completely off the table. All he said was, We don't think, I don't think at the current point that we'll be confident enough in March. But, you know, weak economic data, better inflation news, then he may be confident by the time we get to March. And March meeting is still a ways off. So, you know, his degree of confidence could change between now and then.
3: Bill Dudley, I, I look at some of the criticisms here that they're on trend of disinflation. Jason Furman up at uh, Harvard has a wonderful blending of annualized vectors and such. Which vector do you use? If they're on the vector, when do they start? What's the Dudley vector where you measure our disinflation?
4: Well, I think that tr- think we're still in a very tricky period because we had lots of goods uh, inflation during the pandemic. Then we opened up the economy. That goods def- uh, inflation went away. In fact, we're actually getting goods deflation now. And the real question is, how long will that good defla- goods deflation last? Because if it ends, then inflation pressures could actually start to be more evident again uh that is the fact that services inflation you know, should also come down uh as wage gains become uh, uh, uh less more modest uh and i think the employment cost index report today was a positive reading that uh, that wage wage trends are becoming more consistent yep. with two percent
1: underlying inflation Bill, you mentioned QT. Can we just finish there with you? Did you get the sense from the chairman that he wants to end QT before he starts to reduce interest rates or that we can see those two things play out independently?
4: I think they're completely independent. Uh, ending QT is not about, you know, loosening monetary policy. It's about uh, basically getting the level of reserves in the banking system down to a level that's a low in, as low as possible without, without the reserve level actually affecting interest rates. So this is totally independent of the you know, decision about whether you want to make monetary policy more accommodative. Uh, this is based on the bank's demand for reserves. And the Fed's trying to estimate what that demand is. And They want to make, make sure that there's enough reserves in the banking system, but not too much. So they want to have a cushion over that banks' underlying demand for reserves, and they're going to try to make, you know, they're going to do the taper to make sure that they approach that place uh, very, very carefully. Uh, They recall what happened in September 2019, where we crashed through the level of of reserves that banks demanded, and we got an upward spike in uh, repo rates and quite a bit of turmoil in the money market, and the Fed wants to avoid that this time.
0: Bill, are you surprised that nobody asked about New York Community Bank? And how would you have responded to a question about how that factors into the Fed decision-making process in the next few months?
4: I think the Fed is not that worried about some of the regional banking uh, issues because I think that they're really – bank by bank now. And I think this is all happening uh, in plain sight. This is not like the great financial crisis where you really couldn't evaluate the situation for individual banks. Right now you can sort of see what's happening to banks net interest margin. You can see what's happening to uh, the losses on their securities portfolio. You can see what kind of earnings pressure they're under. So I I don't think the Fed views the banking system issue as a very uh, you know, important right now. Now, that could that change? Could something break? And I think the other thing that makes them a little bit more uh, confident about this is long-term interest rates have come down. Uh, we peaked, you know, 10-year treasury yields peaked around 5%, now around 4%. And so that pressure on banks that took a lot of interest rate risks, they're still under pressure. Uh, but that pressure is less than it was uh, a year ago.
0: Going forward, I am curious about Jay Powell and the March discussion. He didn't hug the statement precisely the way that Rich Clarida suggested that maybe he ought to. Do you think that this is actually a sign of how there is Jay Powell, the man, and Jay Powell, the herder of cats, that is the Fed committee? I mean, is that, how, how much is that basically what we're seeing?
5: I don't
4: think he really departed from the statement in any meaningful way. I think he just gave a little bit more nuance to what the Fed, how the Fed's thinking is evolving. Obviously, the statement is you know pretty short uh, and pretty concise, and the Fed's very careful about the changes that they make in the statement. Uh, and obviously, in a press conference, you can't be quite that uh, precise. So I,
1: I thought I thought he tracked the statement quite well. Bill, what are you thinking? June cut. What's your view now? <laughs> I've been thinking May, and I don't okay. see any reason to change that. May. Bill Dudley, thank you, sir. Former New York Fed president. TK, we got an answer. He's thinking May. You got an answer. You got an answer for Mr. Paul on March, two. Did you see the market move on March? <laughs> let's get to that market move right now. <clears> throat> Equity's throat> pulling back by 1.4% on the S&P 500. The NASDAQ is lower as well. Tech earnings were, let's say, underwhelming yesterday after the close. More tech earnings to come tomorrow. Amazon, Meta, Apple still to come Thursday Facebook. after the close. The NASDAQ <clears throat> is down by 1.7%. I've missed you. Small caps Please, lower by 1.7%. Let's turn to the bond I'm market. Two year. 10-year, 30-year, the 10-year yield year, down four basis points, 3.99, down six on a two-year. So the Federal Reserve has stepped away from this tightening bias, Brammo. But ultimately, when it starts to engage the rate cut conversation, just not in the way that this market wanted to see it do it, it wanted more than just, OK, things are going well, we need to see a little bit more. But ultimately, the next move might be a cut and it might be this year, just probably not March, not likely.
0: Basically, what you're seeing Mm. is the market is now pricing in a 38% chance of a March rate cut down from almost a 60% chance of a rate cut come uh, just before this press conference. The market adjusted. Will it last? We shall see. Tomorrow should be a whole new story. It seems like the Fed is being somewhat consistent toward that May kind of timeline, which is the reason why we've got 91% chance currently priced in. What
1: was interesting, and we haven't talked about it yet, is just how comfortable he would be with decent growth, strong growth. I think that's a change. You go back to the... Jackson Hole symposium of what was it? 2022 in August. Pain, 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 pain. (laughs) And now he's saying basically strength is okay. It's not something we have to work against.
0: This is basically the Fed not necessarily saying victory, but saying we could get victory and we're not going to get in the way of it. Right. I mean, how much is this a sort of acceptance of this concept that disinflation is good, regardless of whether the strength might suggest that, you know, it could I'll
3: be quicker. I know you want to get to Mike McHugh who was in the press conference. To me, the huge overlay here is gut fear by monetarist, monetary economics people about getting this wrong. We, uh, Willie Pesek and Forbes used to write for Bloomberg, nailed it. Uh, Willie Pesek wrote it on the Bank of Japan, and I'm sorry, they are scared stiff of getting this wrong.
1: They want to see more matter. data. Tom, I'm totally with you. Yeah. You can see they're uncomfortable. They're just, Chairman Powell ultimately is still concerned that inflation stabilizes above target. For him, that still seems to be a risk.
0: It's a risk for all the people who we speak to as well, especially with that strength. What's the bigger fear though? And this I think is different. Is it that inflation reaccelerates, or is it that they do serious damage to a labor market that seems to be in a good place? And that to me seems definitely more balanced.
1: Mike McKee with us now. He was in the news conference. Mike McKee, fantastic work as always, sir. Mm-hmm. What was your big takeaway, Mike, from that presser?
2: Well, basically, the Fed has gone to where the market wanted it to be, but they didn't go farther, as you were talking about. Uh, They're not giving us a timetable yet, but leaving enough ambiguity that you could try to figure it out on your own. Basically, May comes into the equation then, because by that time, they'll have three more PCE inflation data uh, releases, and they'll have a pretty good idea of uh, whether or not we're going to be able to maintain this uh, in the 2% range inflation level. So uh, I think Powell was just trying to tell people, uh, we've heard you, we see what you see, but we want to make sure that we're not going to be seeing inflation go up again to what you were just saying. I think they still think inflation is a greater danger. Growth is not a problem at this point. Of course, that was my question to him. Um, yeah. They're happy with the way the economy is going. They're happy with the way unemployment is going. Uh, and they don't seem to think it's going to get any worse. But there's still an issue about will
1: inflation continue to come down. Mike, you were in the room, so you've got a better sense of this than us. found guarded at times. Very scripted. Lisa talked about that. Former Fed Vice Chair Richard Cloward talked about that as well in anticipation of the news conference. But did you get the sense that March comment was unscripted? That was off the cuff? That was from the chairman directly?
2: No, I think that basically uh, he went in uh, ready to say that, probably didn't want to unless he had to, because uh, they never like to put a time frame on anything. But you'll get just one more uh, PCE report before that time, and that's probably not going to be enough for them. So uh, it, was, it, it wasn't that he couldn't say it. It's, I think he didn't want to, but was asked directly about it, so did
3: Mike with Lagarde in the ECB we parse the hawks we know who the hawks are who are the hawks pushing against Powell's dovishness who are the vic- who are the people out there who are bush Cassidy who are those guys out there that are hawks right now
2: well, we know that Mickey Bowman has been a hawk and Loretta Mester have been a hawk, but they both have said that uh, they don't necessarily think we're going to need interest rates to rise anymore. So they've at least come to the neutral zone. The question is, will they accept the idea of rate cuts? And I suspect that's going to depend on the data between now and the March meeting now and the and the May meeting Uh at some point, you have to go with what, what the data are telling you, even if you were afraid that you were going to have to raise rates earlier.
0: Are you surprised, Mike, that no one asked about the New York Community Bank issue and how much they do have confidence the regional banks truly are in a good spot?
2: Well, I think the fact that they took the uh, strength of the banking system part out of the statement was a mere coincidence because the statement would have been drafted yesterday and circulated among them. uh, And, of course, they didn't know anything about New York Community Bank at that point. But I think the reason it didn't really come up is because think about what happened to New York Community Bank. They lost money in a quarter and stock investors jumped on that because they don't like to lose money. This wasn't a question of a bank going out of business uh, like SVB, which... New York Community Bank bought their loans, uh, and that's one of the reasons they had problems. So it doesn't suggest that there's any kind of systemic problem in the banking system
1: like we were worried about last March. Hey, Mike, thanks for the update. Great work. Mike McKee out there down in Washington, D.C., just coming out of that news conference with Chairman Powell. Equities TK, near session lows, we're down about 1.5% on the (laughs) S&P.
3: I've got greater confidence that Microsoft hit a yearly high yesterday. You know, the market's off, and I really don't know what to make about it. yield came back nicely, gyrating off the nominal 10-year yield, 3.99% to me. And, and Lisa, this goes to your concern over the banking system and other properties in New York City Are they really coming under, you know, individual properties coming under pressure. The fact is the 10-year yield under 4%. That's a real adjustment here. And, and it's the uncertainty that's out there. And maybe that's what, in the Eccles Building meeting, maybe that's what they were concerned about the timidity of it.
0: Although to me, it seems like he wasn't that concerned about that much, to be completely honest. It's just that he didn't (coughs) want to get it wrong and he didn't want to get it wrong on either side, but certainly with the strength also, as you pointed (coughs) out, the fact that he did indicate that March was off the table, despite some of the signs that people were using to justify it, was significant for the market and is the reason why we're seeing the market move on that.
3: We talk, he manages money. Joining us now, Jeffrey Rosenberg from BlackRock, really, really uh, interesting uh, here on wither and forward. How does your view adjust, Jeff? I was thunderstruck by the timidity, the massive, almost comedy on the word data. You got to go out and run a portfolio. How do you do that given what we observe today?
5: So, Tom, you're talking about the timidity, and it's in the context where the last two meetings was the opposite from the chairman. There was a lot of confidence. Yeah, I characterize it as a little bit of a victory lap. He leaned into the positivity. He leaned into uh, the good news, and and here I think it began with the statement. Uh, the inclusion of, of the of the new language around needing to have greater confidence <laughs> was the sign that they're going to push back a bit against market expectations. And it carried over into the press conference. Wasn't clear whether that would happen. It clearly did happen. And it's it, 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 it's capped off with this headline that is absolutely the headline takeaway, which is the pushback hard pushback against the March expectations. And I chalk this timidity up, Tom, to the concern around financial conditions doing too much easing for them and putting at risk the the good story that they're having in terms of inflation getting back down to target and and growth holding up and not having to to, to have that big decline that, that Lisa was mentioning that they were warning of that we thought was going to be necessary to get that yeah. inflation down. So it's it's the risk of losing financial conditions and markets are just primed for the big green light to go out and back up the truck. And obviously, they're disappointed on that today. Hey, Jeff, I, I think that's a little bit purposeful.
3: Hey, Jeff Rosenberg, Jason Furman up at Harvard teaching Act 10 with my tweet of the day. I love his single sentence observation I feel like I could be confident enough after two more jobs CPI prints. May I suggest that Friday at eight thirty, we and the Chairman will readjust? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, he he
5: he wants to delay here. and And there was something that he said that I think hasn't been picked up on, which is the the decision to begin cutting is of great consequence. And then he also said earlier, uh, because of that, or because because of that concern, there's there's no need to rush. So waiting for more data and kind of the pushback on w- what more data do you need isn't really the story here. I don't think they need more data. He kind of said that we, we, we have confidence. We just want even more confidence. I really think it's they don't want to rush into it. Jonathan Farrell, you asked me after the last payrolls, you know, what is my expectation? I said, you know, June, mainly because I don't see the rush here. And I think that's the story. Is it May? Is it June? It's not March. It's pushing back because they don't want to rush into a cutting cycle.
0: You said something really interesting there, Jeff, this idea of financial conditions being a concern, that they see the sort of golden pathway and they want to get there so bad that they don't want to disrupt it by giving any more fuel to this market. Do you get that sense just in general that if things sort of stay subdued for a bit longer, that'll actually make it easier for the Fed to cut sooner? (laughs)
5: Well the the thing that will make it easier for the Fed to cut sooner and, and and I think Bill Dudley highlighted this is is that the problem is that there's a little bit too much good news on the uh, on the economic growth side and the labor market yeah. side. If they had some weakening that would make it much easier to say, now we need to cut. It's hard to say you need to cut. And we'll talk about this on Friday morning. You know, the expectations around, you know, 265, 280, that's a, a pretty gangbuster payroll uh, uh, print. You know, hardly the kind of stuff that says this Fed is <coughs> too tight. And you saw it in Steve Leisman's question, and and, and I think Ooh, it will emergingly <laughs> become a, 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 greater, a greater focus. Uh, which is which is on the growth side. Yeah. Like, where is the restrictiveness of this policy that you're so confident? Every time you say policies in res- yeah. is is restrictive, is it really is as restrictive as we think?
3: Yeah, Steve Leesman always with some smart questions. John Farrell, let's go to the statistics for Friday. I got 185,000 on survey non-farm payrolls. I got an unemployment rate of 3.8%. They that may have a little bit to do with their timidity.
1: Yeah, that, I think that speaks to the nervousness. So Jeff, let's finish on this. Data still looks okay. Payrolls might change that on Friday. For you right now, in this market, putting money to work, what are you advocating for?
5: You know, I I think there's a lot of hemming and hawing today, tomorrow around the timing of when do they go. But I think if you take a step back from this inside baseball story, the broader story is the Fed has won the battle on inflation. Not totally certain, you know, where we settle in there, but certainly they can begin a cutting cycle. And the growth side is much more positive than what we had thought, particularly when we thought that interest rate sensitivity was going to be greater and recession much more likely. So I think this is... Is a backdrop that is unchanged for taking on more risk in portfolios. It's a better outlook. The credit markets, you know, despite some of the, the news today in terms of the, the banking sector, that's particular to commercial real estate. And that is something I think we have to keep an eye on. But you look at the corporate side, you look at the consumer side, it's very strong. And the credit markets here, I think, are strong. There's not a huge price appreciation opportunity, but I think the yield opportunity that you can capture there without the risk of the downside of inflation,
1: sorry, of recession. Uh, is it, still the story here? Hey Jeff, thank you, sir. I know we're going to do this again later this week, so we'll see you Friday after payrolls. Jeff yeah, Rosenberg bye. there of BlackRock. Thank you, buddy. Equities near this session lows. We're down one point five percent on the S and P. We're down hard on the Nasdaq as well. TK in the bond market. The move fades just a little bit. Yields to lower by eight basis points at the front end of the curve.
3: Going to get through the tech juggernauts. You mentioned it, John. We've got Amazon, I believe, and Apple tomorrow, maybe even Facebook. And the answer is, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to get some tech earning some tech joy. But Lisa, I'm sorry. The un- to Jason Furman's comment here, the jobs report on Friday has a
1: new
0: importance. So maybe if it gets strong enough, then everybody will go back to maybe, uh, you
1: know, going yeah. to
0: June. And if it's well, really I think late, you missed what just happened here. I
1: confuse him with Jason Furman as well. Yeah, I do too. Jeff Rosenberg.
0: No, I'm talking about Jason Furman. Jason and
1: is saying jobs so, matter okay. here. I confuse them the both. Don't they, they look the same.
0: They,
3: they do look I don't, the
0: same. I Come them too. on. They look the same. I, I, I'm going to suggest, John, this they job the reporters is now really important. Not all economists look the same, John. We should do this again. Yeah, we should. March 20th. <laughs>
1: How much do we have to pay you to wake up earlier?
0: I don't know. Talk to my people. <laughs> <laughs> the countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg.